Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I saw a video recently of a little boy, a toddler, holding onto a handrail and walking along the edge of a very deep abyss. It looked like he was on the edge of a dam, a hydro dam, and that massive concrete dam went down dozens of stories from where the little boy was, and he was on the wrong side of the railing. It looked scary. And then suddenly the video changed, and it said, this is how this was green-screened. And then the video was manipulated to go back to the original, and it was a little boy, and where the dam was was actually just asphalt. It was just a road. And so it was all fake. Nothing about it was true except for the little boy holding onto the handrail. Now, we just sang Psalm 12, and Psalm 12 speaks about a culture and a society in which truth is banished. And one of the prophets that speaks about truth is dead. It is lying in the streets. Men lie to one another, and with flattering lips and double heart they speak. This is thousands of years ago that the psalmist speaks this way. And the lie has just continued to snowball ever since. And with modern technology, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of lies, is able to promote lies even more than it used to in the past. We have the technology of green screens. We have the technology of deep fakes so that now we can have videos where well-known celebrities will say the most alarming things, and it's all fake, and we can't easily tell the difference. We live in a world of deceit. Surgeons mutilate and reconstruct bodies to make men look like women and women look like men. And we are told to believe these lies. And recently in the news, a, a man won a woman's swimming event. And you see that even the unbelievers struggle, even those who do not know the Lord Jesus, they struggle to connect that lie with what they know to be reality. We live in a time in which governments perpetrate massive psychological warfare against their own citizens, manipulating data and the mediator and the media to construct one narrative after another to get compliance and to encourage certain desired behaviors and outcomes. And the British government has admitted so much that they did that during the recent public health crisis. And in the last two years, trust in public institutions has cratered for many. How do we know what can be trusted? How do we know what is real? How do we know what is true? Now, the world says it's easy. We go to science because science is the god of our day and Scientology is the religion of our times. And so even Christians fall for this. We, we go to the science and we batter one another with peer-reviewed studies which prove that we are right. But even there, science can only go so far in establishing truth. Science can only observe what is. It cannot tell us what ought to be, but even in observing what is, science is not a uniform body of unassailable, unquestionable, infallible truth. Every scientist has their 
have their presuppositions and their biases and their desires to achieve certain outcomes and their funders who are looking for certain outcomes as well. And these things all play in to the science. Some years ago, an editor of The Lancet, which is a medical journal, one of the uh, most advanced or most well-known medical journals in the world from Great Britain, an editor of The Lancet noted that up to 50% of the published research in the area of medicine was of poor quality, questionable, uh, had a questionable basis, and produced results which were not replicable by other scientists. And he was speaking about his own journal. Science and data have been weaponized in our times. And we see the example, for instance, of that well-known court decision, Roe versus Wade, when the United, uh, the, the United States Supreme Court decided to allow for abortion, the murder of unborn children. And in that case, the promoters of child murder, as they testified, simply made up the statistics about how many women were dying every year from backroom abortions. And they, now that they've gotten what they wanted, they, they just publicly admit that. They just made up those statistics. And it's similar today. In that whole discussion that we're having as a society about gender dysphoria and transgenderism, parents of children with gender dysphoria are threatened with all kinds of made-up statistics that your child will be driven to suicide if you don't quickly push them into a program of hormones and mutilating surgery. So these are not objective data, but these are weaponized data, made-up data often, to push for a certain outcome. Now, in all of this confusion, in all of this, these lies, this deceit, this twisting of truth, and this making up of things, where do we go as Christians? Where can we find a solid foothold and a solid foundation? Well, we sang about that in Psalm 12. We sang there in stanza 4, the words of promise which the Lord has spoken are purest silver seven times refined. And that's in contrast to the world of lies which surrounds us. We go to God. We go to the Word of God. We go to the promises of God. We go to the truth of God. Because that is solid. And that doesn't change. And you can build your life on that rock. And the Lord Jesus says to those who abide in that Word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so Christians hold on in a world of confusion and lies and deceit, Christians hold on to the truth, not as an abstract concept, not as a philosophical concept, but we hold on to the truth as a person. The truth has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it is this which is our infallible guide, it is this which is the rock-solid foundation on which to build our lives and by which to evaluate and discern everything else. The Lord Jesus Christ comes to us in the ninth commandment as the one who has set us free. Remember, that's the context of the commandments. Freedom. 
the, pre the preface or the prologue of the commandments, which we hear every Sunday, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I am the God who set you free. And this is what freedom looks like. Freedom to worship God, freedom from the idols, freedom to worship God as he wants to be worshipped. So freedom from will worship and human inventions. Freedom to honor the name of God and not blaspheme him. Freedom to rest and to work in that sacred rhythm that God put into creation. Freedom to honor the authorities. Freedom to love life and hate death. Freedom to live in holiness and purity with respect to our sexuality and to be free from all the demons of sexual addiction and sexual perversion. Freedom from lust and covetousness for the things of this world and freedom to know, to speak, and to live the truth. That's the gospel of the ninth commandment. Christ has set us free from slavery to the lie. And there in John chapter 8, verse 36, we read, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And do we ever need to be set free? What do we look like by nature outside of Christ? Well, there in John chapter 8, verse 44, the Lord describes what people are like outside of Christ. He says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Outside of Christ, the devil is our father, and we are like him. He was a murderer from the beginning. And that drives home to us the devastation that the lie causes. The lie is not just a twisting of the truth. But the lie brings death and destruction. That twisting of the truth, that twisting of God's word there in the garden led to the death of Adam and Eve and billions of people ever since. If we turn to the Apostle James, and we turn to James chapter 3, he describes very well the power of the tongue, the lying tongue, to cause destruction. James chapter 3. And we'll, we'll look at verses 6 through to 12. James 3, 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting out on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What is the apostle saying? 
What is James saying? He's saying that we need a transformation of our very being in order to be able to love the truth and speak the truth. Because in ourselves, by nature, outside of Christ, all we can do is lie and destroy in our communication. That is our nature. And we know how to bear false witness from birth. Children, your parents didn't have to send you into a special school so that you would learn how to tell a lie. We just kind of know how to do that from birth. We know how to use the gift of communication to preserve our own interests, we think, and to harm others. How naturally doesn't it fly off the tongue if you've done something wrong and, and mom comes in and says, who broke that? And the first reaction of the little child is, he did. Right away accusing the other. That's bearing false witness. It speaks to the very deepest desires of our old nature. The Proverbs say this, Proverbs 18, the words of a whisperer, are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. We love to hear false witness. We love to hear wicked things about other people because it makes us feel good. Someone is more sinful, more wicked than I am. We love to put down others, to destroy their honor and reputation, to make ourselves feel as though we're better. It's in our nature, our fallen nature. And it is in the nature of the world around us. We live in a world which celebrates the lie, which subjugates the truth to power. Truth is perverted, truth is mutilated, truth is remolded and refashioned to serve a certain end, to gain a certain outcome. And governments do it, institutions do it, companies do it, individuals do it. And we as Christians can also fall into this wickedness. We can be pressured to write things we know aren't true or we know aren't absolutely true, but will get us the outcome we desire. Sometimes there can be massive pressure at work or in some kind of a group of people to say something that we know in our hearts is not true. You think of corruption in a hospital or corruption amongst a policeman where something wrong is done and then they all look at you and they know you're the Christian and they say, you didn't see that. That didn't happen, right? You'll deny it, in other words, when asked. That's what they're insinuating. And that can come at a huge cost. If you speak the truth, then you lose friendships. You might lose a promotion. You might lose advancement in your career. You might even lose your job. There's a lot of pressure to be complicit with the lie in our corrupt and deceitful world. But we are children of God. We are children of the kingdom of light. We are those who have been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the truth himself. And so of us, it can be said what Paul says to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 8, for at one time you were darkness. That's what you used to be like. But now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. 
The, the ninth commandment teaches us that we have been set free by the Lord Jesus to walk as children of light, even though we live in a world of darkness and deceit. We are free to be like the Lord Jesus. And what is he like? Well, the, the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. The Lord Jesus never lied. He never bore false witness. He never twisted the truth. And what is true of Christ is reflected in those who are in Christ. There was no deceit found in his mouth, and then Revelation chapter 14, verse 5, speaking about the saints, says this, And in their mouth no lie was found. That is the description of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. In their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. And so even though who we are by nature is horrifying and shameful, who we are in Christ is glorious and liberating. And so Christ sets us free from the lie. He sets us free to speak the truth. Now, what does that look like in just everyday life? Well, we ought not to think that it means simply speaking, quote-unquote, true facts. Of course, a fact should always be true, so that's redundant. It doesn't mean simply speaking Facts, because that can also be something done by the ungodly. The ungodly often like to say that. They say, this is me. This is who I am. I, I say it like it is. I say what I think. If I hate you, I say it to your face. If I think you're ugly, I'll say it to your face. And some people think that's, they're really good when they do that. They just say whatever's on their mind, and they, they'll say the truth. But the commandment is not thou shalt not lie. The commandment is, you shall not bear false witness. It's in the context of a court where you can testify and you can use the holy gift of communication which God has given you to hurt, to harm, to destroy your neighbor. If you twist the truth in court, you may get the innocent condemned or the guilty set free. And you can do so by lying, but you can also do so by telling the truth, but then carefully selecting certain facts and leaving others out. So you can bear false witness by simply speaking certain facts which are true, but speaking them in a such a way that it deceives and perverts the truth. And so... When Christ sets us free from the lie, that doesn't mean to say that he's telling us you can just speak facts and then you're bringing glory to my name by doing so. That's not the, that's not the case always. Rather, the Bible teaches us that we ought to speak the truth in love. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16, there the apostle says the following Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Speaking the truth in love has the goal 
of using the gift of communication to build up, to grow in love, to grow together in Christ. Falsehood does the opposite by its very nature. You see, the universe was created by Christ and for Christ and through Christ. And the universe was spoken into existence through the word of God, through the truth. And the word of truth is therefore creative and it is life-giving. The word of falsehood, lies, is destructive and it brings death. It destroys the created order. And so the word of falsehood, bearing false witness, is an attack not only on God's children, but on God's creation and on God himself. And that is why falsehood has no place in the body of Christ. Look at Ephesians 4.25, where the apostle says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And that's not just for our brothers and sisters, but that's how we are to be in all of our words, in every context, with everyone. And we go a little further there in Ephesians. Look at Ephesians 4.29 now. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The Christian life is a life of using communication to speak the truth in love, to build up, to grow, to bring life and healing, not death and hurt and destruction. The Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And that's why Christians are careful and deliberate, intentional and precise in what we say. Where words abound, where words are multiplied, says the scripture, sin abounds. Christians know that words have power to destroy, to twist, to hurt, and that words have power to bring life and healing and restoration. Christians know that every word, even every idle word, has eternal significance. The Lord Jesus isn't joking around. He's not using hyperbole. He's saying the truth. On the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Yes, brother, yes, sister, we have to give an account before the judgment seat of God for every word that has ever come out of our mouth and that ever will. And because we understand that, that every word has eternal significance, we are meticulous in what we say. We are meticulous in verifying information before we share it by mouth or by social media. To spread untruths is the devil's own work. Mindless clicking and sharing is not what Christians do. We verify, is this true? If I can't verify it, I don't spread it. Even if it really fits with what I want people to, to know or what I think is true. 
And we simply refuse to engage in conversation, idly bandying around people's defects with a true or not. You ever had that? You're in a room and you start talking about someone and suddenly there's a whole laundry list of all of their defects and all of their problems and how they should improve their life. And people are just doing that as a pastime. And the Christian says, no, I choose conversation which builds up in love. And any conversation which is not like that, I say, no, thank you. I'm out of here. I pass. I just leave the room. We don't condemn, as we confess in the Catechism, or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. We know the truth. We know the Lord Jesus Christ. We love the truth. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. And he sets us free from that horrifying human tendency to believe the worst about people. A few words of salacious gossip, they go down so deliciously into the inner parts. And all we need is a few words of gossip, and suddenly we're looking sideways at someone. And we think, wow, I didn't know that about them. We don't even know if it's true, but we accept it right away. Christians don't do that. The Christian says, no, I will not believe negative things about someone unless it is established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And in today's cancel culture, just an insinuation can destroy a reputation, a relationship, a career. People rush to join in condemning someone rashly and unheard because they're afraid that if they don't condemn that person quickly, then they will be pilloried for wrong think if they insist on justice and due process and the presumption of innocence. The Lord Jesus Christ sets us free from that fear. We don't fear the consequences of speaking truth and seeking justice we do what is right. We say what is right, even if it hurts, even if it costs, because we know that participating in lies hurts even more. It bears the penalty of God's heavy wrath. And we're going to have to give an account for that on the day of judgment. Christians have an eternal perspective about the truth. We know that it has eternal significance and eternal consequences. That's why a Christian will never choose short-term gain for long-term pain. Psalm 15, we sang it, that the godly person swears to his own hurt and does not change. And Psalm 15, which we sang before the service, speaks about who can, can come into the presence of God as a, a person who is perfect in all of their ways and all of their words. And when they make an oath, they swear an oath, they do not bear false witness. They will do what they say, even if it brings them disadvantage. That's what Christians do. That's who we are in Christ. We speak the truth. We stand by what we speak. We keep our word, even if it hurts, even if it brings us disadvantages. Now, we live in a dying culture. Society does not only celebrate the lie, but does its level best to force everyone to not only accept, but even celebrate the lie with them. And one of the highest priorities for the kingdom of darkness is to force people to say things that they know are not true. The devil takes special delight in that. And you see that, again, with that man who won the, the swimming competition recently, where People know that it's not true. 
and yet they feel obliged to say it is true. And we're just seeing the beginning of that. It's going to get a lot worse in the culture around us. We've seen some small skirmishes on this front, but the full massive assault is only just beginning. A baker is forced to decorate a cake celebrating as good and holy a marriage which is not legitimate in the eyes of God. A florist is forced to prepare flowers for a celebration of perversion which she knows she cannot celebrate or join in celebrating. A gynecologist is forced to do physical examinations of the body of a man who has been mutilated in an attempt to pretend that he is a woman. And these things are happening already, and they're just going to get worse. How do we live in a world like that? How do we live in a world oppressed by the darkness of lies and deceit? We love the truth. We speak and confess it honestly. We speak the truth in love. We do what we can to defend and promote our neighbor's honor and reputation. We love the truth. We live the truth. And we don't accept the lie. We don't believe the lie. We don't spread the lie at any cost because we worship the truth incarnate. And he will vindicate us. He will plead our cause. He will defend us against a cruel, ungodly nation. And from a crooked generation that loves deceit and treachery, he has saved us. He has set us free. And so we pray as we're about to sing and pray in Psalm 43. Send forth, O God of my salvation, your light and truth to be my guide. Lead me to my destination, your holy hill and habitation, where I with you will safely hide in shelter you provide. We don't need to be sad and grieving and anxious about the times in which we live. We are clad in the armor of God. And everything in our panoply is held together by the belt of truth. Everything holds together in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we hope in him. We hope in God, his Word believing. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Amen.